Me clap? Both of us. Okay. One, two, two three, three, four. It's great. Done like a real drummer. <laughs> you would not believe how many flams I get <laughs> in that situation. <laughs> As we sit here telling stories till it's quarter after three. The details are so gory, but that's how they're supposed Hello, friends and blood enemies alike. Welcome back to Talking at the Diner. I am your host, John Kim Fay. And I'm super excited for today's episode because I got a chance to sit down with one of my favorite human beings, a man whose philosophical leanings are quite close to my own. And on top of that, the guy can play drums. Let's just let's just be honest. I'm speaking, of course, about Jason Moralia, a guy who allowed me and pretty much everyone else in Philadelphia to go for years pronouncing his name Miraglia incorrectly because he just didn't care enough to say anything about it. I first met Jay when he was the drummer in Fat City Reprise, one of the most popular Philly bands of the, uh, I guess what you would call the aughts, Um, and a name you can still see on stickers all around the city of brotherly love. They still, they had some very good adhesive on those stickers that they used to put up all around town. Um, But at a certain point in their career, the band relocated to Los Angeles, and they had quite a few adventures out west and it was during that time that my friendship with Jay actually became tighter because we would have pretty regular phone calls as he uh, navigated the music business in LA but eventually Jay would sit behind the kit in the final lineup of Ike which also featured Brett Talley and Susie Steen on bass and uh, we made some pretty cool music together. Jay is currently still playing music with Brett um, in their cover band, Bangarang, and he's also played on both of Brett's solo records, which have yielded some amazing songs. You might remember this one. Jables and I met up in Marlton, New Jersey at Olga's Diner, and it was like, I don't know, dropping the needle in the middle of a record that had been playing continuously for years. It was like we just picked up where we left off. Um, I just love talking to this guy, not only about music, but about our shared appreciation for all things awkward and bizarre. Um This conversation happened a couple months back in late 2022, so it's taken a little while for me to get this episode together. But trust me when I tell you, it was well worth the wait, and I hope you guys enjoy listening in on my conversation with Jay Moralia, right here on Talking at the Diner. Everything is on the table when we're talking at the diner. Oh, I gotta be honest with you too, man. I've uh, been waiting for the call for this. Just saying, you know? It's taken yeah. a while, I know. <laughs> First of all, let me just admit to you that the whole concept of talking at the diner, like I wanted to do it because of my experiences with you, with Vivas, oh, really? and with Brett. Yeah, they were fun times. And man. a couple other friends who are not even musicians, but like that's that's the essence of what I wanted to 
capture with yeah, all of this. Yeah, that's great. So I'm excited. And it's also interesting too because like I, speaking of that, I just pained myself all week figuring out what I want to order because it's, it's breakfast time. That's true. So my body wants I don't know eggs, if they have turkey fontana when here. When I see you in a diner, <laughs> it always goes to turkey. Hi, two. Coming in? Yeah, yeah we're, we're coming, coming in. in. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Oh, we get Don. Who's coming over? Don. Don. I got Don today. All right. <laughs> the thing that made me laugh when I was thinking about meeting up with you is, I think when I first started doing it, I was talking to Brett. Or, or Brett might have told you about it, and you were like, oh, is that the one where he's going to make me tell when I shat my pants or something? Because, <laughs> because at the time, it was kind of up in the air. I wanted to do a podcast. Was it going to be like musicians in a diner, or is it going to be making people tell me their shit stories? <laughs> right. It was going to be called The Brown Note. Oh, I still man, think I want to do it. I mean, so many people have multiple That's what I'm listening. saying. Yeah. I actually... Uh, Hello. Uh, hot tea with lemon, please. Coffee and water, please. I'll take a water also. Thank you. And actually... I uh, like that I'm like in, in encouraging you to do a podcast about shit. It's kind of funny. Listen, I beta tested the idea with numerous people, <laughs> all genders... It was unanimously like, oh, I'll be on that. Wow. Oh, I've got one. People I'll do it. tell stories like that. People huh? are chomping at the Chomping bit to the tell those stories. So <laughs> at some point, it's going to happen. But you remember oh, the story uh, about the nest? Uh, of course I do. Of course you remember but the before nest. Before you even said nest, I knew you were well, going to say Of course, nest. that would be episode one. <laughs> right. But then I had lunch with Brett last week. And um, did, has he told you the story about... His neighbor and the light bulb. Do you know that story? Did he tell you this? Yes. It wasn't technically... That was urination rather than ex excretion, wasn't it? No, no. Unless no, I'm no. thinking of a different You're story. You're thinking... There's no bodily functions involved. Okay, then, 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 so. then I know a different story. <laughs> oh, God. No, Brett told me this story. Uh, what's his? What's the lady who lives next door? Tia. Uh, something like that. Tia. So, or Pia. Pia. Know. Yeah. Oh, Pia. Like right. Pia Zadora. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, Pia apparently has this obnoxiously bright light on her back porch. Yeah. That um, Brett and Thank Kate you. found very bothersome. Right. Because they redid his deck and they like sitting out there. You know, and smoking a little stinky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the long and the short of it is Brett wanted to do something to get rid of this bright light bulb that his neighbor had in there. So he, <laughs> right. he went out and he bought an LED light with a remote control and he actually trespassed on this woman's property. He swapped it out? Swapped it out. And he, you know, and they turned it off when they were out there, and he would just switch it back it's on. Incredible. And she was none the wiser. But one night he forgot. I don't know if he's he forgets because he's high or whatever. He does not turn. He does not switch it back on. <laughs> next thing, next day, or you know, at some point, Pia calls an electrician <laughs> oh, no way. to come deal with it. At some point, like the guy switches the light bulb out and. Pia goes inside and he like gets the electrician guy to come over, you know, across the. Now he's got to explain deck. it. And he's like, listen, man, here's the deal. <laughs> he explains the whole thing and the guy is like dying. <laughs> so he's like, well, here's what I can do I can s s miraculously forget to put the screw in the top thing of the light. You know what do, we, what do you call it? It's a little a little lantern thing, post things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't put the screw in. So if you are compelled to lift off the lid and switch it out again, <laughs> you may. <laughs> yeah, the electrician's on board. Right. If this goes, but if he does this again and forgets again, now the electrician is like on the hook for it. He, he is. Gonna, right. right. So big risk by the electrician. Oh man. But so great. so he's telling me this story. <laughs> 
And I think he, he told it to somebody else, and they were like, couldn't you just, like, ask Pia to turn her light out? <laughs> and, and he's like, no. I don't. And I'm like, the lengths that you will go it to. It is way more fun this and way, And so I was also like, well, that's a podcast, too. Like, the lengths that you'll go to to do something rather than just do the simple thing. I feel like Brett could be a guest on that particular podcast at least four times because just recently, the amount of stories like that he has told me are just <laughs> unbelievable, man. And just like at least TV shows in and of themselves, potentially it, movies. It, I, I was know. dying. But the thing about it is, is like, ah, oh, you know, the nest works for that concept too. Yeah. <laughs> It's a long enough story. Yeah, and I was know. like, you know, this would be perfect, you know. Pancakes, please. Pancakes, pancakes. pancakes. pancakes for the tape. <laughs> <laughs> Never before done. No, no, no. Um, I was like, this would be like perfect, you know, we can play like losing my religion in the background. The links that I will go to. <laughs> Telling you, Jables, I'm just full of ideas. Man, here. it's the best. It's the best. Oh That's one of my favorite songs, believe it or not. Losing My Religion. Uh, I've always been a fan. Yeah. It's a good the one. song Exploder of it is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that was I've really cool that. to watch. Speaking of Brett Talley, he actually showed me, uh, he turned me on to those. Um, that's also just a podcast, I assume you're aware. That's not just a show. Oh, Song Exploder? Yeah. Not it actually that. started as a One podcast. Life, so there's like hundreds and hundreds of episodes you can listen oh, to. Oh, that's great. Because I think Netflix um, has like six They just did the Netflix thing fairly recently. Oh, that's great. I didn't know yeah. that. I do my best to stay as out of touch as possible. <laughs> I noticed. For some reason. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. Well, yeah, what's but, behind yeah. that? I need, to, I I need to dig deep into this. I don't know. I just I think, think it served you pretty well. I think, I, I think it's <laughs> overwhelming. You know, the yeah. amount of stuff that's out there to try to consume is overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and, but when I get into it, I love it. But then at the same time, in terms of like me putting stuff out there, I've never judged anybody for it, but I just don't. I, at one point, I think I noticed that I didn't like how it made me feel and how it was making me feel like when I was doing things. My right. first thought was to like, write about it or post it and I know it's going to sound old manish or whatever but I don't know this just that's just how I felt about it and I just got to a point where I just didn't want to kind of bother anymore I don't know yeah but like when you think about it when you started in the Philly music team you were in like the band that was like all about promotion yeah <laughs> Yeah. Right. Really. Yeah. I mean, and it was it was MySpace days then, and then right. the, the only reason I got a Facebook was because they made me. I remember that day. Right. They were like, oh, you, oh, have, you <laughs> have to do it. And I was you like, remember I already, that day? Yeah. I was like, I already have this. Like, what's the? Diff? They're like, no, this is the new thing. Like, you, you have. We all have them. We have to do them. And I was like, but we have a band page. Like, what's the difference? It was, That's and then it just then I just got worn down. So I did it. And, um, they ground your willpower into a fine dust. Yeah, totally. And then while we were in that, then Twitter became a new thing, and I was like, I can't keep up. With no, this. I can't. I can't do it. Understood. It's so interesting to hear about like all this <clears throat> stuff going on with Twitter now. Yeah. With the purchase. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, it's always been a cesspool. I'm, you know, like I haven't had one for like years and years. I don't like any platform that that focuses so much on people directly talking at each other. I just want to make my statement and let people yeah. absorb. <laughs> one of I don't the, want to be talked at. One of the things that turns me off to stuff like that too is, is kind of to that point, like the way that, like that has become the way people communicate and they're not really communicating, they're just, they're fighting and it's all blind. There's like, I mean, you and I can sit here and we could disagree on things, but at least we're like, you know, challenging each other and maybe sharing ideas, but it's not like that on any of those. And granted, I know that's not everything on there, yeah. but it does seem, to, from what I see, it does seem to be a large well, that's what the most high it. And I just find it, it feels stuff dangerous. said, you know, kind of propels the momentum of yeah. the platform. Yeah. This is exciting. I wonder what you did with the pancake there. 
Nope. I don't know if that's like a specific thing. That's just sort of like the... Uh, oh, it is now. You got a little syrup pool in there with the bacon. I think it's the nature of the size of the plate that it's on. Yeah. It's actually like creating like it a, a little, little basin. Like a, like a basin. <laughs> <laughs> little funnel effect. Some of the best inventions are accidental. Mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been trying to see Vivas for about two years. Also, you were mentioning it's been a while. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you a real funny thing about Vivas. One of my favorite people of all time. Of course. I recently uh, started playing in what was going to be a cover band with uh, with Nick. Oh, Honey Butter Ramble. Honey Butter. Yeah. yeah. John Dunn, Mike Vogel, right? Yeah. And we were rehearsing fairly steadily, but um, we've hit some sort of. Uh, scheduling conflicts. Some people don't have as much time as a others to do things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of on hold at the moment. But what's funny about it is that we're rehearsing at Bach because Mike Vogel and Vivas share that space. Yeah. Yeah, right. So we're rehearsing there. And Vivas says he isn't in Honey Butter Ramble. He makes a point to say it. But has been to every rehearsal. <laughs> and it's just... Going to mess around on the keys a little. <laughs> As I put that air, in air quotes. Air right? quotes. Yeah. Uh -huh. But he's there. He's actually probably been to more rehearsals than me. <laughs> and you're knows all the songs, plays well to them. That is funny. But, but is somehow not involved. Right. In it, so. Well, I just noticed that he is playing with my old friends Maddie and Allie in Depression Mom. That's a great name. Yeah. Well, you remember Madeline Gauz? Yeah. I used to play uh -huh. drums for her until yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> there's there's numerous reasons why she jettisoned me. <laughs> Rightfully so. <laughs> a, I shouldn't really be playing drums for any serious artist. Right. B, one of the last gigs I ever did with her we were at like World Cafe Live, and I thought it went really great. Mm -hmm. Like it was me, her, and uh, Dandrew from the Dead Milkmen. Like we were the rhythm section. Okay. It was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end of the show, I threw my sticks into the crowd in a gesture of like, "Fuck yeah, we were all right, right." So about five minutes later, I like walk out and you know like the the area outside the venue in the basement there at World Cafe Live, mm -hmm. you know, where the merch table is. Yeah, yeah. I walk out there and it looks like a goddamn crime scene. There's like blood everywhere. I'm like, what the hell happened? No way, people were fighting over here? No, no, no. Oh, okay. And then Maddie comes running up to me and she's like, dude, one of your fucking drumsticks hit my boss in the head. <laughs> <laughs> you know how, look, she wasn't seriously injured. But you know how, like, if you get a cut, like, right here, yeah, it's like, it looks it's just, much worse yeah. than it is. <laughs> yeah. It's this poor He's woman up there. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. Uh, I'm but sorry like to laugh boss. at that, but man. And I, like, I felt so bad, I, like, paid, like, this woman's entire tab for the night. Right. <laughs> I was like, ugh. So the writing was kind of on the wall for me after that. But well, I, I love her, and I think she's such a incredibly unique artist, especially in, mm -hmm. in Philly. Yeah. You know, I was actually watching, it's great, yeah. thank you. I was actually watching uh, the Slits documentary last night. Do you know the Slits? I've heard of, okay. of this. So they were like this revolutionary all-female punk uh -huh. band, you know, same time around like when the Sex Pistols and okay. all that were happening in England. <laughs> and I've always kind of thought like, Maddie is the Philadelphia embodiment hmm. of that. That's it's cool. just like, she doesn't give a shit. <laughs> and it's, anyway, it's cool to see Vivas playing with them. Well, to your credit, it doesn't necessarily mean that that gig went bad playing-wise. It just seems like... I think the whole reason the six were thrown is that you, it went you very well. You were feeling it. Yeah. You were feeling it. Mm -hmm. You know, I did the same thing once. <laughs> yeah. Hit somebody. But um, it seems like the fallout was a little worse in your situation. Yeah. But um, 
It was not we were, your friend's boss. <laughs> no, it wasn't. We were, um, we, I think it was a, one of the TLA shows. And it was like, you know, like one of the first times in like a real big place like that. And you, you right. feel great after you're, you're done. You're making some kind of grand yeah. arena rock statement yeah. in a place where you probably don't bear out. need to do that. It was um, uh, Fallon. Remember Fallon? Yes. They used to hang oh, out. Yeah. She used to, yeah, her, she used to stay frank a little bit. Yeah. And they used to hang out a bunch. You hit her? Hit her and like actually saw it happen. Oh my I, God. A part of me doesn't understand how you don't see it coming, but I guess if you're just kind of milling around, maybe talking to your friend, maybe that's what <laughs> you're happens. Putting a modicum of the responsibility on the person <laughs> who got it. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> how do you not see that coming? Come on. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it, it did. Are you I, so self-absorbed that you're in your own world? I remember. <laughs> I remember tossing them out, and um, I think like, I saw the whole thing happen. I saw it hit her, and then she looked up like slow motion. I just kind remember of seeing her face like this. Same spot. Same spot. Same spot. Yeah. I didn't break skin, but you know. okay. Yeah. Hmm. No. Interesting. Dangerous stuff. Rock and roll is dangerous. What can I tell you? Yeah. <laughs> It seems much easier to throw the guitar picks, you know? Yeah. Then it causes much damage. <laughs> it's very interesting that I'm talking to you and talking to Renzulli so close together. Mm -hmm. You both being former members of Soraya. Mm -hmm. So, I did I those, ask you how that I, went, I did those Joan Jett shows mm -hmm. with them, and they were absolutely awesome. So much fun. Like, really fun to be on the road with other musicians again because yeah. I have not done that in a long time. Sure. And, um, but speaking of guitar picks, so my old friend who used to work at A&M, this guy Al Marks, mm -hmm. as soon as he heard that I was on this tour, he was like, hey, I need you to get me some guitar picks <laughs> for my charity auction. <laughs> His heart is definitely in the right place with mm -hmm. this, but like I felt extremely awkward. <laughs> like it was not the position that I was ready to be in. Sure. But like he was very close to Chris Cornell, and after he passed away, he mm -hmm. started this, uh, you know, kind of charity thing that he does, where okay. you know he auctions off guitar picks from famous people and gives the money to suicide prevention stuff. That's great. Yeah. Having said that. I was like, you realize, like, I'm not even technically in this band. I'm just some schmuck playing rhythm guitar <laughs> right. to make their sound a little, a little bit fuller, bigger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, it's it's complicated, but the long and the short of it is, he feels um, like I say, look, I'll do it if I get a chance. Mm -hmm. And I think at a certain point, he felt like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm just putting him in a weird position. So he writes to me on Facebook and he says, hey, don't worry about it. Uh, I've got my friend Vinny from Las Vegas on the case. He's friends with Kenny Laguna. Now, Kenny Laguna is Joan Jett's, you know, longtime right-hand man. Okay. He still plays in her band. He's an older guy. Mm -hmm. He's probably pushing 80 years old. Wow. And he just, you know, he plays keyboards. still getting out there playing. Rock and roll. Right? Well, anyway, so at a certain point when we're driving between Indiana and Wisconsin, Zuzu's phone rings and it's Kenny Laguna and they know each other. So mm -hmm. they're just making small talk. She's in the back seat. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, everything's going, you know, everything went great last night. Thanks for everything. And da 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 da. And then she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, J John Fay, yeah. And I hear my name in the context of the conversation. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> right. And she hands the phone up to me. She's like, he wants to talk to you. <laughs> Kenny Laguna is on the phone. Guy. This is my probably the one and only time I will ever have a conversation with somebody in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. Mind you, not only did he produce the first two Joan Jett records, but he also played on Green Tambourine, hmm. just so you know. Okay. Completely bona fide. 
And I'm like, hello? He's like, hey, so, uh, like, no introduction. Like, <laughs> right to the point. So, uh, your friend from Las Vegas, what do you know about him? I'm like, and so, like, I'm putting it all together in my mind very, very quickly. I'm like, ah. I don't know that guy in Las Vegas. It's, it's you know, like, uh, yeah. and he's like, so I'm like, I don't know that guy. He's like, that's what they all say. <laughs> I've been around, I've been around the block, John. And I try to explain the whole convoluted bullshit to him very badly under pressure, mind right. you. <laughs> and then, like, there's, like, a long pause, and he's like, you Italian? <laughs> I'm like, nah. <laughs> I wonder how much different that would have made the conversation if you said yes. Why are you asking that? If I had said yes, would there have been like a gross of pigs waiting for me? Right. Life is weird. Yeah. Very awkward. Well, hey. But hey. At least you got to talk to him. That's what Al Marx said. He was like, well, if nothing else, because I called him up to chew him out. Like, ow, you have no idea the position that I was in. Right. He's like, well, at least now Kenny Laguna knows who you are. <laughs> I'm like, spoken like a true label rep. Once when I worked for Tana, I, um, one of the jobs I had there was handling, um, I didn't do artist relations, but like I was like the shipping contact for a lot of their mm -hmm. gear and their orders. But we also used to house um, kits for a lot of guys just so they had something on the East Coast. Okay. Right. So I happened to be manager of a set of stock in the warehouse that, where those kits were. So anytime anybody had a question, like, they would direct it to me. And I got to talk to uh, Simon Phillips one day. Ah. Which was extremely exciting. So he played for The Who and... Toto. All kinds of people, right? Yeah. Um, and he... I remember being in the warehouse and they were like, Hey, uh, go back to your desk. Simon Phillips is on the phone for you. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> they were like, yeah, he's got a question about his gear. And like I had to... I talked to him for a minute. And um, like I had to climb up, pull all his stuff down. He was looking for this one piece of hardware or something, but he was the absolute nicest guy, but I felt a similar way mm -hmm. after we hung up. I was like, you know, this meaningless conversation. Yeah. Didn't talk anything about music. Um, totally admire that guy. But he was looking for a clutch. Yeah. <laughs> he was looking for an attachment for his hi-hat stand. Um, oh, so I'm not that far off. Yeah. <laughs> to connect to his uh, second bass drum. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, yeah, completely meaningless, but how cool. I just thought yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Probably not as awkward as my conversation. Easily but. not as awkward, yeah. But then again, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because you're the only person that I've ever had this conversation with, is how you believe that awkwardness should be greatest, embraced. The greatest thing ever. Because we live in a world... That's uncomfortable. Look at where, world, like, but. awkward is, like, in the top three things that people... Like you got accepted. Want it, to man. avoid? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, why are you trying to avoid this? It's fucking great. You have no idea how your life will change if you just open yourself up to it. It's the best. <laughs> I'm not saying go out and you know look for it. Don't seek it out on purpose. No. But when it happens, enjoy. You know. Yeah. <laughs> How's everything with the wine side of things? Oh, that's cool. I still I still do that part-time. You know what's interesting about that? That started for me, um, it was, kind of speaking of Soraya too, like that was, around the time I left that band, I left because, one of the reasons I left was because I started having some back problems that was like, that were just like sort of debilitating. Well, yeah, I so I was not playing for a little while because like I couldn't, I could barely do anything. Yeah. You know? You think that that was like what did that what caused that I when it happened the, the last time the time that I'm talking about now when it happened then I think that was 2013 uh -huh. was one of the times where like 
it had been something that would happen to me every once in a while, but like it would just correct itself after a couple days. So I just thought I had like a sore back or something like that. But that particular time, I ended up slipping like three discs, I think, at the same time. Wow. And that particular time, like it just wasn't, it was like a month. And it was just an excruciating month because oh, it was yeah. just never correcting itself. I couldn't do anything. So I finally started going to doctors to see what's up. You get MRIs and all that stuff. And then you find out. So like, then I was at a point where I just wanted to like try as best I can to fix it or maintain it because every time I would play and not even just the playing the loading in the loading out like that things would be like that would be worse the yeah. loading so it just any show I was playing just became like such a really tough experience mm -hmm. which was disappointing because you don't want to think about like you know not being able to play so like I, I really didn't wasn't sure how to handle it yeah. kind of laid off from playing for a little bit and um and just did everything I could to try and you know I guess get it back in shape and it's it's been it's been a lot better but I'm you know I'm noticeably 45 at this point you know so it's <laughs> noticeably 45. things that things that I do I don't think it's that noticeable dude well I, no not that I just mean like in terms of how I feel I got you like things aren't as easy as they used to be kind of things and you start to learn that it takes like more and more effort to keep mm -hmm. yourself in shape for stuff like that but I don't want to not be able to play so it was a it was a sort of fine line I had to kind of tiptoe there but um, it must be cool to if you guys have been doing Bangarang for how many years now? man they as a band I think it's been over 10 Wow, but I at first I was just you were filling technically in a fill-in, one off here and there. Yeah, the main guy that was doing it, um, John O'Reilly. Whenever he needed somebody to fill in, I would do it. I think there was one like full summer where he couldn't do any of the gigs, mm. and then it just the year after that it became full time. I want to say maybe fifteen or sixteen. I'm not even positive at this point anymore. Mm -hmm. But around there, it became full-time. And it's been steady ever since. The gigs are great. It's a wild time down there, but, you know, it's, it's great money. Um, it sounds great down there. It's really fun to play in a room like that where you have fairly good sound. And, mm -hmm. You know, you can play your drums as loud as you want. Yeah, what is it's a big I mean, it must be a pretty interesting experience to basically do them yeah yeah definitely it must be pretty interesting to basically do the lion's share of your shows in the same space it's very easy yeah like you've got it down I mean yeah it, it is it's like it's almost like a residency or something but it just happens well, it happens to be a residency where like you always can find parking and load in load out is easy you know everybody there, the stage is roomy, like there's just a lot of positives. In my mind, I liken it to, it's like the the Osmonds have their own venue in Branson, Missouri. Right. <laughs> right. So, Honey Butter is not going to be a cover band? Well, I, I, think, I think it is. Okay. What, what, why I said that earlier was because it started out as a cover band, and it started out because Nick became obsessed with the guitar playing of Grateful Dead. Um, we personally, he and I, have always had an obsession with Levon Home, so mm -hmm. anything by the band is always great. Yeah. Um, but he got into a lot of that sort of um, country, bluegrass style right. playing. Was just playing it on his own just for kicks. One would play it live. You know, we started talking about it. And I was like, yeah, I'd be into that. You know, I've never done stuff like that before. It's it's a cool challenge, you know. You know, it's been like... It's a different style. It's been really cool to see kind of the reemergence of Nick. Because Same. he was... Yeah, I agree. ...about the most hermit-like of all of you for a while. Yeah. And then for a, and then he went to bass for a while. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I was like, you know, that's cool that you're having fun, but... You're so good at guitar. Man. Like, what are we doing? You have a talent here, yeah. sir. But I think I've actually seen him around more than any of you really? in the past year. Yeah. Because, like, you know, we've been to the same shows. And I guess uh, he started playing with uh, 
Roberta faceplant. Yeah. Like with you, right? Yeah. That's uh, I did that one filling gig in mm-hmm. May that you saw. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, he's, he plays bass in that band. Um, yeah, and he wanted to start the honey butter thing because he was just real inspired by all that stuff. And um, it's been really cool to like, it's stuff I've never listened to. Uh-huh. It's been very cool to learn a new style. Mm-hmm. It's been enjoyable just to you know see him and Beavis on the regular, play with those guys. I mean, that's something I totally miss. Yeah, know? I think all of us do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really great. But why I say it started as a cover band, and I, I think it's going to be eventually. Like I think the first gig or a couple will do will be covers. But there has been talk of like, hey, how'd you feel about doing the original thing? And which is always more exciting for me. Yeah. So, um, so I, I feel like that's just going to be down that road at some point, you know. That's awesome. But yeah, that's been good. Bangarang's been good. Um, and also, the cool thing about Bangarang is that it is supplemented with um, the original work I do with Brett. Mm-hmm. Um, I've recorded an album for Phil, all you know, stemming from that band. Yeah. Well, I think that's. One of the things that has been really cool for me to hear in recent months and past couple of years is how you and Brett have become this creative duo. Yeah, yeah it's been really fun. Which is awesome, you know. Yeah. I mean, and that was like it was unexpected because the first one, the first record, Perpetual States, he um, he had a lot of that stuff like demoed out, really kind of well. mapped out. Yeah. Yeah. So I was literally just supposed to come in and put drums on things Mm. but then we got into like as we were recording like we were just you know organically just talking about you know what to do in this one how should this section go how should we transition to this part and then it just I don't know just kind of stemmed into this like really great working relationship nice so then the second one um, non-linear like I I could tell that the the songs he was writing and like demoing which I which I think were even better um, mm-hmm. I think he's progressing in like a very positive way in terms of songwriting. Yeah. Right. Um, but his his demoing was like a little more stripped down. And there were some of them that were like, he would show me that night. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have any kind of track to listen to. Okay. Um, so you had to think on your toes. Yeah. So we would just kind of work them out like on the spot there and it just would develop into, you know, this really great thing, like I, that second album. I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of both of them, but that second one in particular because I feel like it was even more collaborative. Yeah, between the two of us, you know. And you know, we're uh, rumor has it there's going to be a third. So you know. he's definitely on a creative role. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two albums in basically a couple of years, couple of years that are yeah. that good. I mean, honestly, if it wasn't with all the shutdowns and everything, we probably would have had that thing done sooner. Yeah, you know. But yeah. What was the one? I actually can't remember the name. I, I don't know what it is about our current state of music streaming, but now I suddenly know no song titles. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else experiences that, but I can't. Oh, they just—it's because nobody is naming their songs after the actual memorable lines. Is that yeah, possible? I don't know. Maybe. It's, it all started with that with Fallout Boy. Uh, uh, secret. I talk about Secret all the time. Oh. It's a song. Well, on, you should know that title. Later. I mean, that is in the song. <laughs> yeah, that actually is titular. Yeah, it's titular. But um, <laughs> but that was one where we just kind of he just showed me a guitar lick, you know, yeah, some chords or something like that, and we just kind of worked it out on the spot, and it turned into like one of my absolute favorite ones. That's a record. really good song. It. Yeah. Big fan of that one. Yeah. Well, I still have it in the back of my mind that I want to do that one song that Brett and I wrote together. So do I. You know, I mean, it's... I had, like, one or two little tweaks from, like, the demo that we made that I think would just make it tighter. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's a good song. You should do it. No, I'd be happy to, man. At a certain point, he did talk to Susie... And she said she'd do it. So that would be pretty cool. Yeah, it'd be very cool. Did Brett tell me that 
they're going to make her new record together? I have heard the same thing because I also... Um, you would probably be involved with that. ...offered services for mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And um, from what I understand, she was uh, she was into it. But I just... <laughs> she was amenable. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. But I, I, I don't know. Like, I haven't heard anything about it in a little bit. Mm. So I'm not sure if she's ready or she got other things going on. Yeah, she seems to have a lot going on. Yeah. But no, the more original stuff I, I can get involved in, the better I am. It's my absolute favorite thing to do out of all of this. Yeah. You know. Express your creativity. And, yeah. Do you have any, um, other than the Bangarang stuff, is there any other gigs coming up? Are you playing with Katie um, Feeney at all or any, any of that stuff coming up? No, I think Katie Feeney, I think they have a couple... They have a steady guy oh. and they have a main fill-in guy. And I think the one I got asked to do was because neither of those guys were able to okay. make it. So I, I think I'm, I think I'm, uh, I'm batting third, bat third, third on call. this one. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. being the third call. <laughs> not bad. No, a lot no, of free time. No pressure. Yeah. A lot of free time. A lot of time to do my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was Joanne's birthday the other day. Oh, really? The Joanne Schmidt? Yeah, I have to get together with her sometime soon. How they doing? It's been a while since I've caught up with both of them, but I think they're doing good. You know? <clears throat> the last time I physically saw Joanne, I was I was going to the TLA to meet up with someone for a show, but I'm I'm always like, I gotta park down there because it's free. <laughs> and I couldn't find a spot like right on uh, Front Street. Oh which is where I normally try to go to spot. So I was circling back around and there was like a, seemingly a spot right in front of Joanne's house. Mm -hmm. So I'm like trying to back in, not quite there. It just wasn't quite enough room, but Joanne like walked up to her door with, you know, her dog or something. And she was like, gay? <laughs> like, what's up, Joanne? It's like, I thought I was gonna park here, but it's not big enough, bye. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last I saw. That was the last? The last time I talked to um, Ben was a random text message maybe about a year ago. And my dad had called me and asked me this random question about like Segovian scales on the guitar or something, right? Okay. And I was like, Dad, I don't know if you know this, but I play drums. I don't know anything about it. I don't know if you know I know what a guitar me. looks like, but I can't really tell you any theory. Well, I'm, I'm interested in what interested your dad in he, um, that. He actually, he actually loves it. He's been um, messing around with guitar for, for a while. Yeah, and he, he really enjoys the theory of it. And he just, I don't know where he found it or if it was a book that he bought. But he, he ended up um, finding this thing with all these different scales and that he just was finding interesting. So he was practicing all these scales, right? Oh, got nice. into like classical stuff and um, then he got into the Segovian scale. And he asked me this crazy question, like, you know, this one scale, I forget what key it was in, but he, he said this one scale, like when, when you ascend, it's uh, this one note is minor, but when you descend, you know, the minor's gone. And I'm like, I have absolutely no idea. I was I like, don't know but, <laughs> I was like, if I know one person that might yeah, know, yeah, I was indeed. like, let me, let you me see. You know the guy. Yeah, let me see. And I've reached other band, and sure enough, I mean, within ben minutes. Ben O'Neill, tell me about this. Within minutes, scale. he was like, God, that's a great question. Uh, it's because of this, and because of how it's played, and, the, and it's just <laughs> it's a great all, question. all the info that, that I needed and more, you know? Wow, yeah. I love watching his uh, yeah. Instagram videos of just him Great man, doing it's that the smoothest, thing, yeah, like, the ah, smoothest thing. Totally. This motherfucker. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> now your your dad played drums. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's I think at a real early age, like I think I I liked it, but I didn't realize. Like I was like captivated by seeing it, but I didn't realize why or anything like that. Mm. Because when he used to, he had drums in the basement, and. At our house, like the basement door would just be like if they went down there, anybody's doing anything, or he was practicing, it would just be open. Yeah. And I remember like if I was passing by and I would see like the the kick beater move, the motion of it moving back and forth, like, it would just it would always catch my eye, and I would always just like sit there and watch it. But I didn't like I never thought that I liked drums or wanted to play. Mm -hmm. But I just remember like always seeing it and like having some type of interest that would just like catch my attention, you know? Do you remember like the first time 
like you decided, well, I want to sit on the throne and try it out? Yes. Well, do tell. I haven't eaten breakfast like that. It was, I think around this time, I was doing a lot of air drawing in my room. <laughs> as, as do we all. I might have been like 13 or 14. And um, I would put on like my favorite records and I would just do some air drumming. Did you have a go-to air drumming album or song? The one that did it was, believe it or not, um, Wherever I May Roam by Metallica. Ah. Because that video came out. And I remember when that video premiered, I remember seeing it that day. And I was home from school and my parents were at work. Nobody was in the house. And like that video was like, I mean, if you're a drummer, man, like the drum set is enormous. Right. And all they show is shots of him like practicing and like playing and stuff. Right. So it's just like the most... It's, it's like it's like drum born, right? It's air drummable. Totally. Um, but I remember watching that, and as soon as it was over, I was like, I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to play that. Thing, right? <laughs> and I, I'm sure I attempted poorly, but... Oh, that's uh, great. That, and yeah, like that just got me into it. And then I would go down, like whenever, and whenever I would get home from school, nobody would be home. And I would just go down and I would just play on my dad's set. And like... I always felt like I was doing something wrong for some reason. I don't know why, so I never told anybody. Ah. Until one day he came home, and I don't know if something was like moved, or I think like one of the, the like, lining of one of the heads might have broken. I did something. What did you do? And he was like, "Are you?" Uh, he was like, "Are you, you playing my drums?" And I was like, "No." Ah, okay. I just denied to the death, you know. Um, but then eventually, like, because it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> same. Yeah. Exactly. And eventually, I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "You know," I mean, he was like, "Are you into that?" And I was like, "I don't know." Like sometimes, you know, it's kind of mess around on them and it just kind of grew from there mm. and I think by the time I was about 18 I um, I guess that was like the first band I was in mm. it was a band called Radio Silent and it was actually with um, the late Joe Abuto who eventually was the guy in the, that band Vicious Lips that yes. I did for about a year yeah 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 I remember but he was the first guy that I was like legit in a band with and um we used to go to rehearsals at the Opera House. Yep. Right? On uh, Penrose Avenue every Sunday. Do you know that I actually had forgotten or didn't... It was like a, a while back, um, a friend of mine who used to run this magazine called Big Shout in Wilmington sent me an article that basically contained an interview with me about the Caulfields getting signed. And wow. it wasn't until I re like read that interview in which I say, yeah, and um, the A&R guy came to see us at this really shitty rehearsal space called the Opera Rubber House. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I kept, because I couldn't quite remember when I was writing the book, like, where was this place? Yeah. I knew it was like, you know... I thought it might have been RPM, but it wasn't RPM. And yeah. Then it was like, yeah. ah, the Opera House. So, yeah. no, anyway. <laughs> this is the best, man. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until, that was technically my first band. So we used to go there a bunch, and they had, um, they had some originals. Um, I think maybe six of them, and like we were like working on songs and stuff, and we would do like Alice in Chains covers and things like that. Um, Joe's dad played bass in the band. Like it was just, it was just the best. It was, just, it was a great time. The multi generational band, you know. Never got to a point where we did um, a show or like kind of recorded any kind of demo at all. Because at this time too, like I'm still, I, I, I think I, I don't think I was even really that serious about it. Mm -hmm. But like there was something about it, like that I, I could like I could play like things that I was hearing. Yeah. So I was able to do something. I, I wasn't really, I wasn't that good, but like I was able to at least, you know, get through songs. And then like we started like writing songs, and that was a whole like brand new experience for me. And like, yeah. At first, it was always you're learning at first the parts. I, at first, I hated it because uh -huh. it always felt like really stressful. But then like the first time you get through one and finish one, like the reward was like yeah something I never felt before. So that was like addictive, right? Because you know? you're kind of like in the creation. Yeah. phase of what yeah. the song becomes. And then you finish one, and then you start a new one, and you're like, well, now I feel like this again. Like, I don't <laughs> like this at all. You know? I feel like this again. Yeah. But then you go through the same kind of cycle. Um, but but that, that, kind of, that kind of fizzled out um, for a couple reasons. I mean, I think, partly I think some people weren't as serious as others, and 
the one guy who was singing was kind of a mess, and like we were just sort of all over the place, right? Um, so that fizzles out. And then I had friends that I would play with. There was another band I was in early on called Shatob's Baby. Where What's Baby? Shatob's Baby. Who, well, who's Shatob? Shatob is apparently a character in some novel that one of the guys... Wow, so very literate. So it, was, yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was a thing. But those those were really fun, and we used to do rehearsals there. Mm-hmm. I mean, rehearsals with that band were at um, that place on 2nd and Arch. What was it? Or just above Arch. It's like kind of right under the bridge, too. I forget what it's called. Oh, I don't think I ever was there. But um, that was like, that was kind of early in the stuff. And it wasn't until I got into a cover band after that that this was like my early 20s, maybe. Then I kind of got like serious about stuff. And then I was learning cover songs. So now I'm learning all kinds of different things, different styles and stuff. Um, and then from that cover band, that was in, uh, two or three years I was in there. And that cover band, the singer in that cover band knew the guys from Fat City. Okay. And when they needed a drummer, um, he was like, and at the time I was maybe 23, 24, 25, somewhere in there. Um, and all the other guys in the band were like late 30s or older. And I remember him saying to me, he was like, you know, I know this couple guys in this other band, Fat City, they're looking for a drummer. Like, that's the kind of band you should be in. He was like, you want to be in a band with us old guys, you know? Well, that was very uh, gracious of him. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and he kind of hooked me up with him. And then it was just from there, that was it. And then when I got into that band, it was like, that was the first time I knew or even understood that there was like any kind of like music scene in the city. Right. Yeah. Because before, like, it was just local stuff. Hanging out with friends, we would play shows at like local bars in South Philly and right. stuff like that. We weren't really going anywhere. I didn't know any of that existed. Wow. I didn't know Grape Street existed. I didn't know anything, any of, any of the other venues in the city. Yeah. South Street, nothing. Um, so that turned me into a lot. I met everybody <laughs> that I still know now. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, the expeditions that I'm sure you went on to put Fat City stickers on every pole in the city limits probably I'm happy showed to say, you various parts of town. <laughs> I'm happy to say that sometimes I still see them in Philly. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but um, we, we completely covered Philly, and then we also completely covered parts of Los Angeles as well. Yeah. We did the same thing out there. Well, I remember walking around with um, our buddy Bobby, and we would just go to Silver Lake. Like, in the morning, we would get up, we'd go to Silver Lake, and we'd put a sticker on everything we saw. <laughs> <laughs> so they got to still be out there, somewhere. <laughs> uh, total defacement of public property. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Damn. But yes, from I remember the first show we played with Ike was at, um, at what's that place called in Delaware? Croc Rock, Crocodile. Oh, it was Kahunaville. Kahunaville. Croc Rock was Allentown. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, Kahunaville. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's 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 the infamous place where <clears throat> your old guitar player, like, like this is. In my mind, like this is sort of like the legendary, like Fat City story, like origin story of my friendship with you guys, mm-hmm. because like he was the first person from your band to ever talk to me, and he was kind of a jerk. Yeah. And so like I was, you know, not like fuck those guys. I was like, ah, yeah. these, these yeah. dudes. I don't know. And it wasn't until like I don't know somehow like you guys found out about this or or Frankie or Nick found out about it yeah. and they were like what are you acting like such an asshole towards that guy for uh? <laughs> and then at some point like Frankie like apologized on his behalf <laughs> it's also one of the reasons that when we were at the Bill after our collective sets were done mm-hmm. that I was the guy that was sent up to you to talk to you and tell you like how much fun we had on the show. Uh, we hope we could do another one kind of thing. Like, you were the diplomat. I will say, like, as, as how I, I completely understand how that guy came off to you because that's not the first time I've heard that. Uh huh. But um, but everybody was very very excited that we were like playing on a show with Ike and John Faye, and like it was kind of like everybody was like. Stand up straight and make oh, sure you're doing that's right. Too and, funny. Yeah. yeah, you got to go tell John you had a good time. Well, John, maybe he'll put us that's on the thing. It's like as soon as, as, and you know, like 
It's funny, like, what little tiny <clears throat> moments stick with you. Like, I remember going to, like, Grape Street at some point after that and uh, making, like, that uh, sort of, like, musician eye contact with Nick at the bar at one point, and he just kind of gave me that <laughs> Nick nod. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, all Big right, smile. this, this yeah. guy's all right. Yeah. You know? And then... And then I just started coming to the the Tuesday nights. Pretty free. Was it Tuesday nights? It was the it in was the, it was Monday nights at Abilene. No, but like which led into Tuesday nights at Grapefruit. At Grapefruit, yeah. yeah. I never saw you at Abilene because I didn't really go to Abilene. Yeah, I mean, um, but not a lot of people did. That's why I closed. I think. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, but like, I think I became kind of a, a regular attendee on yeah. the on the Tuesday night. Yeah. They were shows. so fun, man. They and were extremely fun. And I don't know, like, you, how many weeks in a row did you do it? It was something obscene. There was one point where um, they were talking about adding another, like, weekly weekday open mic night at a different place. They were like, we got Tuesdays at Greek. Let's do Thursdays at this place. And to his credit, the guy who was a jerk to you, uh -huh. he was like, I think That's we're going to kill Jay if we do that because I was working like a regular job at the oh, time oh okay and none of them work right okay. Nick would work here and there yeah 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 and apparently from what I understand pay all the rent but like <laughs> but I was the only one that was working like an 8 to 5 and every Tuesday we would do these nights at great and you weren't we have probably hitting the pillow night. until yeah. like Three in the morning. Yeah, or exactly. And then I got to get up and go to Ben Salem by uh, eight fifteen. So it would ruin like the rest of the week. And then the weekend comes and we're playing again on the weekend. So yeah. like it was just this nonstop cycle. I think we did. It was at least a year or a little more because I want to say that was two thousand seven. Yeah, somewhere. In there. Yeah, because I joined in 06 so it was two thousand seven, and then by like later in two thousand eight is when we moved out to Los yeah. Angeles. So yeah, it had to be like a whole year of 07 at least right. that I was just, I don't even remember, man. It was, it was a lot. I remember when Viva turned so 21. That was, because, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I feel very, like, lucky to have, like, known, like, a number of people who are, like, these prodigies from the yeah. time they're, like, 15. Yeah. You know, like him, Same. Joey. Yeah. You know, it's like, who are these guys? Yeah. Like, when I was 15, like, I was just, like, I had, like, thoughts of wanting to do it, but, like, I was not at any level good at anything. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I wasn't anywhere remotely serious about playing drums or anything musical until, like, I was maybe 21, 22. Yeah. Something like that. I even had my first drum set until I was 21. Like, of my own. But, like, he was... I, I watched I watched that guy learn the ukulele in like 20 minutes <laughs> on a drive from like we were somewhere in Nebraska and I think we were like going back to Chicago maybe and we stopped in this music store because Frank needed something and he needed like a chord for his keyboard or something and there was just a ukulele, ukulele in there and we were like oh cool let's, we'll get that too and Beavis had no knowledge of it didn't understand why the strings were the way they were and I literally sat there across from him on the drive as he like noodled with it and then just became like a professional at it. <laughs> like in front of my face. I couldn't believe it. I actually um, wasn't a fan of Beavis the first time I met him. Really? Not. Yeah. But to And why why is that? He was actually sick and I didn't know this at the time. Oh. But this was my first tryout for Fat City and I remember walking in and like Frank and Nick, like you mentioned earlier, just Big smiles, big personalities. Yeah. Happy to see you all the time. Yeah. So it was that kind of vibe as I'm walking in the house. And then I get to Vivas and he's dressed all in black and he's got his hood up and his hair's in front of his face. He just stands in the kitchen, he's just standing there like with his head down. Right. And they were like, hey, this is Mike, you know, he plays bass. And I'm like, hey man, what's up? And he was like, hey. Like he didn't even look at me. Oh. But he wasn't like, he just wasn't feeling good. I didn't know that. Right, right, right. Yeah. But we had the interaction, and I was just kind of put off, and I was like, "Who's like, this guy? guy. Yeah. <laughs> this Whatever. Guy. Everybody else seems cool. This guy's a jerk." And then we do. And how old is he in that moment? He was he, barely eighteen. 
Wow. I don't know if he was 18 yet. Whatever 2006 was. Yeah. That's His nuts. birthday is in like J- July, I think. June or July, somewhere in there. So I don't know if he was about to turn 18 or was 18. I, I don't know. That's so funny. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, this little It's freak. so funny, like, yeah. you know, like the first impressions yeah. sometimes are just like so... Yeah. Off and granted, like by the next time I saw him, it completely melted away. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, that was, I think that was my whole but, yeah. thing with like all you guys is like, like my first impression, like put me in this mindset where it's like, I'm not gonna like these guys. And then the <laughs> yeah. next thing you know, you become like some of my best friends yeah. in the music scene and in life, yeah, which is great. pretty awesome, I think. You know? There was, there was definitely a lot of ego getting thrown around, there was. Yeah, that's the thing about continuing to play music as you grow older is like you can look back on these things and like, you know, I mean, I hang around, you know, a lot of younger bands now and I'm just very observant to see like if there's that kind of thing going on or not, you know. Yeah. And for the most part, I kind of feel like, and this is like, a sample of like maybe eight or nine bands in Philly that I'm sem- somewhat familiar with. Mm-hmm. There doesn't seem to be a ton of ego around yeah. currently. No, I you agree. know. It seems, you know, like there was something, maybe there was something about like our scene in the <laughs> early 2000s where there was this mixture of like ambition and yeah. maybe testosterone and being of a certain age or whatever. And I, I also think too, like you have to consider how old those guys were at the time too because I, when I joined that band I was 28 and I was six years older than Frank oh, and Nick oh so you're you were like the senior member yeah. from the get go so I went from the cover band with the old old guys right to being to guy, having right? to be the voice of reason but, in um, Fat City Reprise yeah. now I remember when you guys moved to LA you and I would have these phone calls from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's when we really start to peak to become to connect, closer yeah. friends. F- further away physically. But, further yeah. away. <laughs> but so tight. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, emotionally. Yeah. Like because yeah, around that time, like right before we left, I was I was filling in a bit more with like Yeah. Here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But like it was just very interesting to sort of like get the news from afar of like how you guys were doing out there and what the, you know, life changed yeah. for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, you just, all of you wholesale just like leave Philly behind and go out to LA to legitimately um, take a shot at it, you know? It was also funny how that decision was made too because we had been out there earlier that year. We moved out there in, in September. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. But we were out there for a few weeks in February. Yeah. Because we did like we did a little, like a three week run through the Midwest. And then we went out to the West Coast for, I think it was like five or six weeks, something like that. And we did like Los Angeles, a bunch, San Diego. Um, we went up to San Francisco. So we did like a few cities on the coast, but we, we stayed in the Southern California area. Yeah. But like the responses were awesome. We had a great time, we met great people, and like it was just cool to be, and I don't mean anything against um, the scene in Philly, because there's a lot of people that, that do this in Philly, but like being out there, it just, it felt a little different. Like I feel like it was taken, being in a band was taken way more seriously, because you're in an entertainment right. mecca. It's like Los Angeles and New York. You're not like everybody's just like doing something. Dicking around. So everybody you meet is doing something like that. Yeah. You know, they're not doing any other kind of job. They're in the entertainment industry or they're playing or they're touring or they're working in movies or writing. Right. So they're, everybody's doing similar things. So that was that was really, really cool and kind of eye-opening. Um, but we had great responses. And then when we got home, we had another few months living in the house we were living in, and then we got kicked out of that house. Oh, the house on Christian Street. Oh, no, uh, Queen Street. Oh, Queen Street, yeah. yeah. Well, we ended up getting kicked out of that place. And it was a fairly rash decision. Not, I don't want to say rash, but it was just it was it was like, quick. Well, we, we don't know where like, to well, live. Just going to right. It was great out there in February. Like, <laughs> And, for, and somehow it just came together. Wow. Like as nutty as those times were, and like as nutty as it was like living with everybody and like how messy things felt, everybody just like sort of cohesively was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's right. the move. Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. And next thing we know, we just did it. Yeah. But, um, but it was great. 
it was great. I mean, it didn't work out the way I think any of us thought going into it. Yeah. But, I mean, it was great experience. Um, met some of the greatest people. There's parts of it I still miss out there. Um, there was a total culture shock. Yeah, but there's there's definitely it, it took a good like five six months to like adjust and be like oh I I understand how this city is now I understand how this works. <laughs> That's a guy I've always loved playing with, and I definitely miss playing with him. So I'm gonna make this commitment to you right here on this podcast. There is a song that I co-wrote with Brett Talley that has been on the back burner as a uh, quasi-Ike reunion track for well over a year, and we just have never managed to get the stars to align to record it. But I am determined to make that happen in 2023. So if you see me around, hold me accountable. I want to thank Jason Moralia who I forgot to mention before, not only played with me and Ike, but he was also the drummer in John and Brittany for all of our records. And uh, I should have said something uh, when I heard little Stephen Van Zant pronounce his name correctly when our song Start Sinning was the coolest song in the world on the Underground Garage back in 2012, but I just let it go and waited until 2022 to awkwardly broach the topic. <laughs> But that's part of what makes knowing Jay such a great experience. Embrace the awkward, my friends. Embrace it. And hold that embrace until next time on Talking at the Diner. Talking at the Diner.